Yeah, I'm on like Prime and stuff, yeah. and they all actually some of them have some cool old footage, but they need a full like now that Eddie's passed away, it's time to make like a final doc. You know, the story well, yeah. written, it's over. Make yeah. a biopic too. I'll take that. Like the dirt. I can't, like... Recomm- I can't recommend the Ian Christie book though more though. I love that. You didn't like it? I loved it. I can't recommend oh, it more highly. Oh, yeah. Is that Very the one of uh, Running with the Devil? Is that the one? Uh, on is that the one. name? I feel like it was. I I know Ian Christie wrote it, and I know it was good. Everybody wants some. Is that what? It was? I oh, I think that's it. Yeah, oh. I think that's right. Yes, the uh, that yeah. that other one you mentioned, I think, is the road manager wrote it, right? Or some, yeah, something like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the devil. I think my buddy Darby read that one, so it was pretty good. But yeah, yeah everybody wants some. The Ian Christie one is awesome. Sean, you, I mean, uh, Sam, you read all those, right? <laughs> I uh I just can't read. I told you. I'm uh <laughs> that's the problem. But yeah, so we started recording Welcome to Red River podcast. This will be um a Van Halen special uh due to the fact that obviously Eddie passed away and I, I figured between him and MF Doom, these are two people that I I think it would be kind of fucked up if we didn't do an episode specifically celebrating their catalog. So this will be the Van Halen one, and uh, I'll do the Doom one some other time. But, man, so welcome back, Joe, f- from Outburst in the house. Hello. Yo, yo. Glad to be here. Uh, and then we have uh, Brant from uh, – so so basically, tell me tell me what you do in Chicago. You have, like, a brewery or you work there? Yeah, so uh, we have a restaurant group. Uh, so we have three breweries currently, and I'm the director of brewing operations for the brewer breweries. I started out as a head brewer with the company, and now basically I oversee all the uh, all the breweries and uh, the, the brewers that work at each brewery. So when you make like a Van Halen flavor, what do you do? We have one. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> all right. I was at Corridor Brewery, we have a beer called Van Hazen. Okay. It's a... Uh, inspired uh by it's a uh, hazy ipa which is the one of the hot beers in the in the craft beer world currently and uh yeah so i wanted to do one uh named van hazen and we toyed with the idea we don't really can we're more of a restaurant so but i wanted to we do can some stuff so i did want to do cans with uh eddie's guitar uh as the inspiration uh just the the, the black and white and red stripes all over the can but uh we felt like with eddie's uh alcoholism and uh 
Van Halen, we would get a per season desist pretty quickly. So <laughs> only one way to find it. out. Do it. Yeah. Would you say the beer is like biting and exciting, like a David Lee Roth era, or like flat and uninspired? David Lee Roth. Uh, later era. A lot of tropical fruit. Sure. A lot of yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, I was going to say, because he, you know, if we're going to talk about flat, it's definitely DLR. I mean, I not exactly Touché. sure. <laughs> but um, so you guys are all huge Van Halen fans. Me personally, I'm a casual fan, so I uh, took myself out of it. I'm just going to host it. Uh, we're waiting for uh, our buddy Lord Goat, a.k.a. Gore-Tex, a.k.a. whatever the fuck, uh, f- uh, you know, from the group Nonfiction. I don't know. He's if you guys know him or not 2020 but, uh, album of the year yeah yeah, yeah for sure um, for yeah for yeah. sure yeah yeah final expenses he he put out oh, a yeah dude it's so good bro um so let's start we have we're gonna start off with five honorable mentions and then we're gonna do 10 of our favorite um van halen songs through the whole catalog so you know obviously you know they they have a huge catalog with with david lee roth uh some with uh sammy hagar and then there's one that they did again with david lee roth which i didn't even remember uh and then gary sharon but uh yeah so we're gonna we're gonna start off with joe from outburst um and do we have to, for the full disclosure of the audience, uh, like list why you were qualified to be on this podcast? Yes, yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say, absolutely. You're, I mean, state you're, your credentials. Yeah, first, for each be, of us. Before, I mean, like, what, what you named your daughter? What? I named my daughter Halen. Yeah, man, that's that's some severe stuff right there. So tell us. And she does get confused right. a lot with every single teacher she's had so far. There's at least one every year who's like, uh, Helen. You know, they call her Helen or, you know, uh, Helene. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, her, her stock answer is just like, no, as in the band Van Halen, or I'm named after Eddie Van Halen. Uh, and then there have been a handful of teachers who just totally dug that, right? Probably in our age age group or a little bit higher or lower that, who understand that reference. But um, really, I'm just a, a big fan of the band and, and of Eddie, really, um, since I was probably in sixth grade. And... Um, you know, I think I was running the devil that I heard on the radio back when there was only like two FM radio stations that would play that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm like, who is this? What what song is this? And then, you know, when you're a little kid, you're like, the devil. Now, I was a Catholic school kid. So I'm like, well, this is a little bit risky. Like, I'm, I, I pictured somebody running with the devil, you know, like not Roth, but whoever was singing the song before I even knew who, who Roth was. I was like, that's pretty cool. And then I picked up the tape and the rest was history, you know. That's, uh, you know, I've stayed with them pretty much until the very end. I was glad that Dave came back. That was a nice way to cap, um, you know, the end of the story with some pretty bad chapters in between, you know, that we talk about today, like the Gary Sharon. But yeah, yeah. I, for full disclosure for everybody who's listening, I, I think I'm the only one in this chat room or this podcast that is <laughs> equal uh, Equal parts, Sammy and Dave. I can't say one bad thing about the other. Me, I'm with you. Oh, you are. Yeah, I'm I am. I'm, yeah. I'm a Hagar fan too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. I'm glad. The way I thought it was going to be is like, because I know, I know Brian's not. <laughs> <laughs> Neither is Gore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay, there's a little mixture there, but um, yeah, those are my qualifications. I'm just a big super fan. You know, who you would have thought that I would try to be in like a metal band when I was growing up, but. Hardcore and punk were the things on my block. So 
I went the other way, but I always listen to Van Halen the whole way through. So that's yeah, good. yeah, cool, cool. Um, yeah, so give us your five honorable mentions before we 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 do our, our 10. Oh, okay. Um 15 to 11. So number 15 is uh, Blood and Fire from the last album, A Different Kind of Truth, is based off of a song called Ripley, um, which I think Eddie was writing and demoed it between, between when Roth left and Hagar came on board. But then they recorded it in full with Roth on Different Kind of Truth. It's got that feel of like, you know, the end of Dave, the beginning of Sammy. It's somewhere in between. This is what Eddie wanted to write. Uh, 14 would be Humans Being from the Twister soundtrack. Uh, that's a Sammy track. 13 would be Somebody Get Me a Doctor, um, which Van Halen too is, you know, obviously a great album. But that's the one I find myself listening to a lot lately because it just means playing and, you know, Dave's howling. Uh, number 12 is Judgment Day from the album F-U-C-K. Yeah. Sammy Tune, great song. Yeah. Um, and then number 11 is a song called Me Wise Magic. It's, uh, it was from their... Hill faded best of in 1996, which yeah. was, you know, they were booting Sammy out and getting Dave in behind his back. And they recorded these two songs. One was called um, Can't Get This Stuff No More. And Me Wise Magic was the second one, which is just amazing. I mean, if you listen to Eddie's playing and then Roth is just whooping it up like it was just old times again, it's good stuff. So that's my good honorable mention. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, I love that you mentioned humans being. Uh, definitely. Uh, I think they had more than one on the Twister soundtrack, if I remember. Uh, there was a song called "Respect the Wind," which was just the Van Halen brothers. Okay. Okay. Um, doing like instrumental. All right. Um, but yeah, I tried to get a little blend. Yeah. yeah. Well, yo, shout out to uh, Bill Paxton, man. We love that guy. All right. Yeah. He's Bill Paxton. Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, Mitch, are you there? Yeah, some technical difficulties. <laughs> okay, so so so. I'm getting it. All right, cool, cool. So then I'm I'm gonna go to Brant real quick. So Brant, give us your qualifications, like uh, just basically what what Van Halen means to you, and then give us your five honorables. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Van Halen was definitely uh from '84 to Appetite for Destruction. Pretty much, Van Halen ruled my world. They were the only band that mattered started in i'd say late 82 maybe early 83 sitting in my uh cousin's room uh my cousin i always was a little bit older than me and uh he lived in dicks hills so he lived five minutes from the walt whitman mall he had black light posters (laughs) and uh a dairy barn that we could walk to around the corner and me growing up in the sticks and uh the East End of Long Island. I thought like up up Western Long Island was the coolest shit in the world. And, uh, <laughs> sitting in uh, Riverhead was Western Long Island. To us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he put on a tape called Fair Warning, and as soon as the first notes of Mean Street hit, I was I was hooked. And from there, it's actually the 37th uh, anniversary this weekend of me getting 1984 in my Easter basket. Wow. Uh, wow, that's so cool. With the Footloose yeah. soundtrack and the Ghostbusters <laughs> video game. Nice. For what system? Uh, for the computer, Atari 800XL. Oh, yeah, the 800. Ooh. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Easter basket was lit. Yeah, in the Easter basket. So that was a pretty good Easter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, 1984 just was for that two-year span. That's all I listened to was that album. And uh, went back and delved into uh, some of the other stuff. I mean, we 
in fifth grade in uh, Mrs. Nicole's class, Diver Down, and uh, Diary of a Madman were pretty much on constant repeat at lunch. So I went back and bought Diver Down on vinyl. That that or Metal Health were probably my first first actual record purchases with my own money. Yeah. And then from there, I like Sammy. I fifty one fifty was still i think a classic album and one of the greatest albums ever and like i said until until appetite came out and just rocked my world and changed my entire universe 5150 was and raising hell by ron dmc are all i listened to from 1986 to late 87 early 88 did you did you ever perm your hair or, or get like baggy pants I did not. I was uh, I was pretty straight laced in the old high school, so okay. I had short right. hair. Yeah. And Just making like sure. Uh, so g- give us your five honorable m- uh, mentions of Van Halen. Sure. Here we go. Fifteen to eleven. So at f- uh, fifteen, I've got AFU naturally wired off of OU eight one two. Uh, I think it's my favorite track off of OU812 and it just it's Sammy Rippin and Eddie Rippin and just like the band like I don't reliving the glory days of Dave it's, it sounds like the closest to a Dave song almost that uh, Sammy did uh, number four off in 1984 I've got Girl Gone Bad which I just 1984 like I said ruled my world and uh it's, I think it's a really underrated hidden gem off of that album. Um, number three, uh, listened to on my Walkman approximately 400 trillion times, uh, Summer Nights off of 5150. Uh, number two, Best of Both Worlds off of 5150 also. Uh, Live Without a Net, the uh, concert film, it, seeing this video on MTV made yeah. me... Yep. Go out and spend ninety nine ninety five to buy live without a net. <laughs> wow! I, did, I didn't have cable as a kid, so I didn't get MTV, and I saw the best of both worlds. Video. You didn't have you didn't have cable, but you were rich, obviously. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was a dishwasher back then, man. That's a lot <laughs> right. of di- a lot of dishes back then. <laughs> and then I don't know why this didn't make the top ten, but it didn't make the top ten. Probably just because I've heard it four hundred trillion times. I'm going unchained off a of fair warning. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yo, thank you for that five right there. Then we're going to go down to uh, fucking Lord Goat, a.k.a. Mitch. This has to be like the seventh podcast I've done with him, the fourth for Red River. So anytime anytime we need some 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 metal talk, we, we, we hit up the homie. Um, so, yo, give me your actually tell me your your introduction to Van Halen and then we'll do the honorable mentions. Oh, uh, well. I had a list of like all my favorites and mysteriously it disappeared. It's very, but very bizarre. Uh, my first introduction to Van Halen is basically my cousin, Todd. Um, you know, I lived in Long Beach on, on Long Island. He lived, uh, he lived in East Setauket. He was a big fan. He had posters and just all the records is obviously, you know, uh, David era. Um, and he was just a freak and I was a little younger. And I sort of knew about him, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know that much. You know, he had all the magazines, you know, Hit Parader and Circus Cream, and just a lot of stuff. So I started asking him questions about it. He just kind of just gave me the first, uh, he gave me the first album on cassette. And uh, I mean, it just, it, it just pretty much crippled me from the beginning, you know. Uh, 
number one, Van Halen two. And just from there, you know, I mean, I would say Todd was, you know, he was probably pretty psychotic about it. Uh, yeah, that was pretty much my first introduction. I just kind of took it from there. Cool. All right. So I know that you lost your list, but uh, give, give us some like honorable Freestyle. mentions. Yeah. Give us the, if you remember <laughs> any of the-, from the first two albums, you know, uh, you know, on fire. I mean, you know, DOA uh, probably going backwards, but I'd say uh, light up the sky is probably my all time favorite song. You know, uh, every album, there's great stuff on it. It's really hard to, you know, it's like I made a list. Um, everything for me up until, you know, uh, 1984, you know, where do you put pound cake on your list? It's yeah, it's good. It's a good one. That's a good one. What what, know, what is pound cake about? Oh, uh, we, we spoke about it earlier, but you know, you know it's, obviously, no, we everybody knows what it's about, but you know, Sammy <laughs> did an interview in uh, I forgot what magazine it was, it might have been like Art Shop Europe or something. He said specifically it was about Volvo, yeah, which I was pretty, pretty heavy, you know. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think it was. I think it was about his girls. Like you know, like at the time, they had all these <laughs> extravagant roadies and like all these girls. Tour, and he liked what he liked was his girls, his wife's uh, Volvo pound was was the pound cake. Right, nice, simple, <laughs> uh, wrapped up, wrapped up nice and tight. Clean, Absolutely. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. American way. You know. Yeah. I actually a- cut my wedding. I cut my wedding cake to pound cake. By the way, <laughs> did, did you really? Yeah, I did. Seriously, that's amazing. And you guys, you, you guys are flexing your Van Halen like no other right here. So that brings us to Langan. Langan, uh, just give us like your your introduction to Van Halen, and then give us your five. Yeah, I probably uh, mentioned it, but like Brand mentioned, Mrs. Nicole, she's a legend out in the East End. She got me into Van Halen from a Dive It Down copy on record that we listened to at snack time in fifth grade. Um, I was so all about it. Like I had, I remember having parachute, I had parachute pants and I took like David Lee Roth in the jump video. I, I took streamers, cut them up. My mom helped me. I put streamers all attached to my parachute pants to make that like ruffled thing and wore it to school. You know, in fifth parachute, grade. Parachute pants are classic, dude. Those were real heavy back then, man. I had the streamers and, yeah. uh, and my brother got me fair warning for uh, Christmas that year. And uh, it was all set in the motion from then. I wanted to play guitar. Um, Eddie, I love Dave's rap. Yeah, I was sold. Uh, but it was all from Mrs. Nicole. Just proof that a teacher can totally change your world. Because Van Halen became my everything. It's the gateway to all the musics that I like. It all started there. My DNA is red and white. Gaslit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spandex. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. <laughs> it's a combination. And I mentioned Mrs. Nicole also. And just to let you know, that Langan was a year behind me. So it was two years of Diver Down with Mrs. Nicole, which is pretty Yeah, pretty she cool. was like this young, California-looking blonde. Like, probably my first crush, too. Like, and realizing it later. Like, she was just the coolest, man. You know? like so You really best. were hot for teacher back then. You were. Yeah, for real. That yeah. song, and that when that song was out, that's probably when I had the realization. And I'm so bad with dates, too, just to... 1984 came out when I was in fifth grade. So when people ask me about it, like a year or something, I do the math like backwards, like, and I could tell how old I was in like 1980 from yeah. when that album came out because I knew in fifth grade it was 1984 because <laughs> that album came out. And then from there, or I count from there, you know, it all about Van Halen. Well, shout out to her and everyone that you got pregnant in the fifth grade uh, due to the uh, parachute <laughs> pants. 
people panties are dropping, you know. Yeah, uh, dripping in there. Give me your five uh, honorable mentions. My five honorable mentions. Um, I'm gonna go Atomic Punk. Um, incredible Eddie heavy riff. You know, Van Halen jumps around so many times, but that's more of like a metal Van Halen. You know, uh, hear about it later from Fair Warning. Um, such a different song with the way the first three of the tracks of that album come out. And this is, it's such a laid back cut, but just such a great groove, slowed down, great tone on that. Uh, it's a cover, but it's important to me where have all the good times gone, the lead off from Diver Down, which obviously is probably the weakest Roth album, a lot of covers. This is a Kinks cover, but when I hear the opening chords, it takes me back to that record in fifth grade. And it's like, and this, it's chicken soup for me, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, We'll go with uh, the next one, DOA from Van Halen 2. Simple groove, but just dirty and great. And uh, almost was on my top 10, but, I, you know, it's got to cut off somewhere. But Light Up the Sky, that, like uh, Goat mentioned. Um, just an amazing rocker. Again, another heavy Van Halen track. Wicked Polo in that. And, yeah, it was, uh, one of, it was one of Eddie's favorite tracks, too. And they asked yeah. him, the said uh, Light Up the Sky was like one of his favorites, period. It's amazing. Yeah, well, while we're speaking about Light Up the Sky, because both Mitch and, and Langan mentioned it, so I'm a drummer. And uh, to this day, like you can put it on right now, and I will just try to tap Alex's break. That is a wicked break. Yeah. You know, after, yeah. after Eddie's solo, and he just, everything stops. Yeah. And, you know, the other Van Halen gets his time, and, you know, for like 20 seconds. And yeah. he's, he's such an offbeat right there. He's killing it right there. Absolutely. And then the over. Yeah, the overdub of the the second like the bot like the other Tom Toms is just amazing, and then it goes right back into the to the chorus. Just an amazing part of the of that song, you know. Well, yeah. go ahead, go. No, I was going to say that uh, I think at the time, um, like Eddie might have said that he wished that Alex had more time on the first on the first two albums, you know, where it's a lot of the albums obviously take up Eddie and you know Eddie's atmosphere. He thought it would be cool because he felt that. Alex was pretty underrated, so he liked Alex to get some playtime, even if it was like small increments, like small breaks. He was still kind of like, uh, like championing that, you know. So whenever yeah. Alex play, so yeah, you know, parts like that, like the break in that song, would definitely, would definitely pretty fresh. I think in general, Alex is pretty underrated. I mean, I it's kind of tough, you know, if your brother is, if your brother's Eddie, I know. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, well, you, yeah, you can be Billy Cobham. You can be like the most psychotic drummer, and it's still going to be, you know. So I, that that was probably a little tough for him because he's still not really, he's not really talked about or really regarded in any circles. And if you look at the magazines from those years, he won a couple of polls, but not really, you know, kind of like what he should, what he should have. You know, he was definitely overshadowed. So, you know, I, I agree. I, 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 totally do, agree. I, I do miss those polls. Remember, remember like those hip parader polls? It was always uh, like, yeah. it, and it was always like best metal female. It was always, like every year it was Lena Ford, 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 Ford or Dora <laughs> or one of the girls from like Vixen. Every year it just rotated. But uh, yeah, yeah Wait, man. No love for Leather Leone. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, man. So like, I that's kind of like the Clint Howard to Ron Howard thing because I love Clint, <laughs> I love Clint Howard and Ice Cream Man and a lot of the movies like The Wraith. But all right, so uh, 
now we're <laughs> now we're gonna do now we're gonna do ten favorite songs. I know it's very hard because you guys are uh, big fans of it. Uh, Mitch, obviously, uh, you said you forgot your list. So when when I throw it to you, just pick a random song and spit on it. So Joe, I'm gonna go to you first. Give me your number ten favorite Van Halen song. Uh, number ten is a track off of Balance, the last full Van Hagar record. Uh, it's called "Take Me Back, Deja Vu," and it is a acoustic. It was got an acoustic beginning, and then it just is like a mellow. Like if I had to think about it, it'd be kind of a Zeppelin-y feel. Like I think Eddie was channeling a little Jimmy Page mellow, like over the hills and far away with the feel on that. Um, and then it's just about um, going back to a time when everything was simple. And I liked it so much that it. I got married in two thousand, and the videographer for um, our wedding was asking for some songs to like use as a bed for like some of the footage they would take. And I picked Take Me Back, Deja Vu, um, to be one of the songs. So whenever we go back and watch the wedding tape, um, that made it onto the, um, the highlights, you know, of us walking around that day. But um, Balance is a great album. It's pretty underrated. And it's all, it was also kind of dark and angry because they were already like at each other's throats. I think Eddie wanted Sammy like gone towards the end of that album, but they still did like a tour. Um, but it was a little darker. They have songs like Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do and like, Amsterdam, which is like, it, it, you know, from from where FUC came, K came from, it was a little bit like more darker, more browner, and a little angrier. But um, but that's my number ten song for cool. uh, all all top ten Van Halen songs. Sounds good. Uh, we'll probably make a playlist to this episode, and I'll pick some random stuff, and I'll throw some from everyone's list. So, uh, we're gonna throw it to Brant. Yeah, give me your number ten favorite Van Halen song. Number ten, following up Lang, and I'm going with Light Up the Sky of uh two um it's just so freaking rocking and just in your face the entire time until that little breakdown at the end and it, it just I, I don't know it just makes me want to like kick someone in the face every time i hear it like gary sharon yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe boys it just uh uh i van halen too was always like I, I don't know, like the album I listened to least when I was I a agree. kid, but I went back and discovered it. I went back and discovered it after they released the remasters around like mm. 2000, I think on CD. And I went back and bought all of them and it, it, it shot up to my number three favorite Van Halen album. Pretty great cool. album. And, yeah. uh, um, and light, light up I the think sky. light up the sky is my favorite song. <laughs> off that album. Um, Mitch, give us a, a song. Just pick anything that, that you like and, and wax poetic about it, like like a rapper. Just like, I don't, <laughs> just, I don't know, off the top, I'd say maybe I'll wait. Okay. It's the most, it's not almost, it's not even the most popular song from that record, but uh, I think it's a, it's just a greatly written song. It just sounds great. And it's kind of a sleeper. It almost sounds like it's, it's almost like an older band, like Argent, like just, one of those bands, you're almost like a humble pie chorus, but there's something, there's something about that song. You know, to me, it's real heavy. Even like the bass line that goes kind of like with the keyboards and stuff. I've always liked that song. I, I mean, you know, it got a lot of play on radio, so it's easy, but you know, it got commercial and stuff. But uh, yeah, I think I'll wait is good. Also, maybe secrets. That's uh, we'll, cool. We'll we'll we'll, sa we'll save that one. We're gonna go. We're, I, I want you to do one at a time. Yeah. No doubt. Um. So Langan, give me your number ten. Um, 
This is probably coming higher with some other people, and it's only because this is such a hard list to make. But my number ten is half a teacher. Um, could have been higher. I played it a lot, obviously. So sometimes when I revisit this stuff, or my, I get a fresh year for a deep cut, that it might rank higher. But I mean, when it came out, though, I mean, what a video! That video was so great. I, I had it. I remember having MTV up at my my uh, my uncle's house in Poughkeepsie. That's where we first saw it. And they would they play Van Halen videos all the time, but. Uh, it's such a video, great video, and again, like we were talking about Alex, Alex really gets to shine in that intro. That intro is, you know, one of the, the those rare drum passages that if somebody just started playing it without the accompanying other instruments, you know, it's fucking hot for yeah, teacher. Sure. You know what I mean? And it's uh, it's signature. It's and definitely it shreds, and it's fun. Vinny from Pantera kind of just kind of was so influenced by that little piece, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like just- it whole sound yeah it's uh well for that yeah for sure uh a lot of teachers a lot of teachers were influenced in the last 10 years to fuck their students because of it i think it was shout out to miss sex ed i think it was in a video she was yeah (laughs) she's uh she's doing some movies with tony martino i think now um (laughs) so that brings us to number nine so joe give me your number nine favorite van halen song uh number nine is a song called romeo delight off of uh, Women and Children First. And I know it's not one of the more, you know, off of that record, everybody, you know, they know everybody wants some and then the Cradle will rock, but Romeo Delight, they opened up the Us Festival with that song. And if anyone's seen the video of the first number, um, you know, they break and then Roth's doing his little, you know, routine and stuff. And then he just stops, band keeps playing. He goes, I forgot the fucking words. And that was just like so raw. You know what I mean? It was like- They were so wrecked on. Yeah, they, they really were. And you know, there's so many cool, like, <laughs> I know the law, friends. He's just such a badass in that song, you know? Like, and then it, the, 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 the solo to this fever pitch, and then they slow it down with like a little hi hat action from Alex. And he, and then Ross just like, you could tell he's got his eyes closed and he's like doing like a scat man, like, feel my heart <laughs> Just a, what a change from the rest of that song. And then they build it up back into like, you know, into the, the way it ends. It's just an amazing song, which doesn't get a lot of shine when you go track by track. But for me, that's probably my favorite song off of that record. Well, it, do, it does now. Now that you picked it, I feel like a lot of people, you know, with our wide audience are, are going to be very Smash play on Spotify yeah. right now. <laughs> that's it. Right. Which I got I got the Spotify up and I just got to say, it's got, it's, it's a, it's a Van Roth era picture. Okay. Uh, good, good, good. <laughs> so uh that brings us number nine for brand give me your number nine. Oh, actually i also want to say i a lot of times i go back and i watch those old us festivals on youtube there's so much fucking fun to watch man oh yeah for sure so uh brand uh number nine i've got mean street off of fair warning my introduction to van halen uh as soon as those first chords hit it just hooked me from day one and just didn't let me go for close to five or six years uh just a badass track david lee roth being badass fair warnings like their dark album or whatever you want that they sort of weren't a party band anymore on that album they sort of became like uh i don't know i I don't want to say sabbathy but it's it's definitely got like more of that like darker feel to it than than uh than uh, past Van Halen albums. And I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm 12, 13 years old sitting on the floor of my cousin's 
bedroom and dark shit is awesome yeah yeah it's yeah, better sure. than yeah. <laughs> It still is. It still is. Uh, so, uh, while we're on fair warning for a second, like, does anybody here, or maybe it's just me, but visually, like, you know, the album, the album cover is like this brown montage of like some kid getting punched in the face, some guy like hitting his head against the wall, but it's like brown. So, like, I remember Eddie said he coined like the brown sound for his guitar, and, and Lang and your guitarist, you may you may remember his quote. Whenever I listen to Fair Warning, all the way through. It's just brown in my like my mind's yeah. eye. No, I, I agree with that. It's right. It, it's a texture. I don't know what the atmosphere is, but even it, it's it's just I get like disjointed, strange pictures, especially some of the tracks, mm-hmm. the little experimental tracks. It's just a little weird in a good way, but it's definitely that brown sound. It's just it's a brown album. For it sure. is a brown album. Totally yeah. brown album. Yep. Other albums are different, like, different palettes. There's different. For some it's reason, their like, most diverse record. Yeah. Like. And wise, they weren't a party band really on that one, you know. Yeah, something else. I and there was that. always a rumor. I think Eddie was going to use those tracks as a, I think, a solo record originally, something like that. Uh, I'd always heard that. And then Alan record, but um. So yeah, Mitch, give me your number. Give Give me any any song. Uh, I really like "Beautiful Girls." Uh, I think that's a good one. I think uh, just for the atmosphere of it, it's just super. Uh, it's just awesome, you know. The chorus is super catchy. It's not overly heavy. It's uh, it's just atmospherically nice. It's just like super bright. That song, like that song's not brown. You know what I mean? That's that's <laughs> yeah. It's super. Are, are, are you saying brown is not beautiful? <laughs> not the opposite. But from from a guitar point, you know that that song is definitely yeah. colorful, definitely different palettes and stuff. You know. Cool. It's such an '80s fun kind of song. It's what Y&T tried to recapture at Summertime Girls, but they couldn't get. It. Yeah, shout out to Dave well, Manichetti. I think I think Beautiful Girls was also in a in an episode of Miami Vice. One of the guys was actually listening to that in the episode. Yo, we were talking about how many guest appearances like there were on Miami Vice. We got to do a garbage dump, dude. Yeah, garbage. We got to do like we got to do like a a deep dive on those fucking ones. Uh, Yeah. Shout out. Shout out to to Don Johnson, because I don't think I wore socks for the first 13 years of my life. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Uh, beautiful girls. Wasn't there also uh, wasn't it also used in an SNL skit called Schlitz Gay? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I remember oh, that yeah. that yeah. skit. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. like it was a riff loosely based on it, right? It wasn't the actual tune, kind of a thing. I, I want the real tune. The way I remembered it was the actual guitar intro, the song. Maybe they got like cease and desist from the band or something, but probably. I remember watching in the '90s and there's like, like Farley and yeah, yeah, and, and, and Adam Chandler. Sandler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he picks the glasses up. And he picks the glasses. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> oh, I uh, Lang, give me your number nine. Uh, in a simple rhyme from uh, Women and Children First, I think it's one of the uh, like everybody plays so loose on it. Everybody and actually talking about getting shine, like someone who never gets shine, Michael Anthony. He plays like I think it might be his best played bass track in Van Halen history. I mean, yeah, I mean, started. He's the greatest background singer in in history, and I'm not talking about like like. Uh, you know, the girls that sang on Give Me Shelter by the Stones. I'm talking about in the band 
that could hold it down song after song. His vo- his background vocal was as important to their sound as Eddie's oh, yeah. tone or I, anything I, else. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, it's a, he 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 smokes it on that. Eddie um, Eddie kills it. This, they play with time signatures a little bit on that. It goes from part to part, which they don't. They're not normally that kind of band. I think it's it, it's just a different standout kind of track for them. It's, yeah, it's like four different songs. Yeah, hundred percent. It's funny that you mentioned the the background singers because I was thinking like when you said best background singer, I'm thinking I'm thinking like yeah, I'm like Rolling Stones always have like four like really yeah, not good. like the higher gun yeah, yeah. <laughs> no he guy you got in your camp yes we were talking i was talking to gore earlier about you know just how amazing he is and really like those early van halen songs um without michael anthony like it's just i couldn't even imagine what the band would sound like he's just he For his real. bass his bass playing needed to be steady which it was and it, whenever he Whenever he needed to go beyond that, he did. He was in the pocket, and his backup vocals were fucking, like, amazing. They're amazing. And his bass playing, you know, like, he didn't need to be that good. He didn't need it. I love Eat Him and Smile and that Roth ever. I always said that was the seventh Van Halen record. But Sheenan and Vi playing together sometimes is like, whoa, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We need all that. Yeah. So so he played his position, like, perfectly. You know, he didn't need to be that guy. I think of anything... I felt bad for Mike sometimes because, like I was telling Sam before, I mean, there was some pretty nasty interviews that Eddie gave where he yeah. was pretty much rapping on Michael for no reason. You know, around, I want to say around the time of Diver Down, uh, they did an interview with Eddie and, you know, they asked him about Michael Anthony and he was just like, Michael doesn't do shit. Like, he doesn't really do anything. And yeah, um, he said he played the bass parts on the records. He played the bass like, parts. He said, he said, Mike has a nice house and the car to show for it based on our back, which I thought was it's a pretty nasty thing to say. And then when you forward to like 99 or something, also shitting on Michael saying his background vocals weren't that important to the music. And uh, he had trouble even tuning his bass, which I thought was a weird comment. Yeah, yeah, it's a crime scene. Maybe he was just out. It's really maybe he was just real fucked up at that time and saying mean shit. But like, I gotta tell you too, like just the other night on YouTube, I had seen some chicken foot video, like from a few years ago. Yeah, and they were covering Highway Star by Deep Purple, and that dude was still hitting all the Ian Gillen notes, like octaves. You can't even believe it. His age, yeah, he yeah. still got it. yeah. And the Jack Daniels bass is the most iconic bass of all time. And he but is never... there anything worse than a Michael Anthony bass solo? I was just about to say, yeah, that's was... the worst solo. I mean, I was... listen, listen, when I was eleven, you know, a lie, I hated Michael Anthony for a minute, just not because, just because he wasn't Steve Harris to me, you know? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I kind of, and I kind of realized a few years later on, I really appreciated how much he held it down. And if you listen to the yeah. first two records, he gets real. He gets a real nasty tone. There's something really brutal. And I think he's tuned down just like half a step. But there's something real brutal about what he does, which I've grown to appreciate later. But, you know, I, I used to hate the guy when I'd see him in circus. Even though I liked Van Halen, I just didn't. I Maybe it's something aesthetically or something with the Jack Daniels bass and the solo or something. It wasn't working for me, even though I later appreciated, like, everything he did, you know? It was, uh, yeah, the solo thing was weird to me. Most importantly, uh, I can't think of anyone who's had the same haircut for the last 40 years. <laughs> yeah. 
never just it's that's what it is and what it was is just always kept it steady yeah (laughs) Yeah. just to go back to to langan's point about um how michael anthony is wailing at the beginning of uh or during in a simple rhyme um you could tell that's him playing because there's an also killer bass line and enough anyone's going to mention this in in their next eight selections but fair warning has a song called uh uh, push comes to shove mm-hmm. and and the bass on that you can just tell that's not michael anthony that's eddie playing bass on that mm-hmm. and it's like probably the most amazing bass of any yeah. van halen song but you know it's not you know it's eddie like like you said earlier eddie yeah. would come in and record i know that's not michael anthony for some reason wow i had no idea that's it's crazy. a sick sick bass line yeah yeah heavy did you say something no, I was saying it was a heavy baseline. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's kick number eight, Joe. Number eight is uh, off of uh, 5150, and it's a song called Dreams. Um, I remember Eddie saying, and I think it was an MTV, you know, one of their interviews with him, that um, one of the songs that they had worked on with before Roth was on his like little break in the Amazon jungle, but he never came back to work on it. So they tried writing, you know, finishing it out and then brought it to Sammy, and Sammy he wanted Sammy to hit some notes and then he went higher. That really pleased Eddie. It's yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Do you remember the interview? Yeah, I remember hearing that. Yeah, and so it was like a different kind of song. Like, they're already deep in the keyboards from 84, but this was a different kind of song where it was like upbeat and, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't wimpy. It had an aggressive beat and just the singing, Sammy singing it, you know, in that song where he's like just higher and higher is where he's going and you know, really positive message, and that whole album, the whole fifty-one fifty album, and I think maybe it was a dig at Ross because he was hitting high notes. Right, he couldn't. I know Eddie took shots at <laughs> Ross after he left, but that's probably because he's bitter. That's, that's when I got real upset. Well, they were really trashing on both of those guys. Dave. That's when I was like, "Yo, guys, you guys. Both of those guys, what? Yeah, for sure. No, I was going to say both of those guys. If you notice, like when they both did solo stuff, well, you know, when Dave went solo. Uh, like his first solo album, he was singing a lot more on that. He was, like, yeah. He like you can tell he put his best foot forward, and I think same thing with Fifty One Fifty. I'm not a I'm, I'm not a specialist on that record. I mean, I I I I'll be honest with you, I've never listened to the whole thing straightforward. I should, but um, I do like I do like a few songs on that record. Uh, yeah, I think I do need to actually listen to that now fully because I think there's things I definitely yeah. might have stopped on. You know what I mean? I went back to it and re-listened like with a little bit of a more mature ear and like got over like my my, my young angst and stuff, you know. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and obviously, couple- like Dreams, amazing solo on that. And there's some tracks on there. I mean, I don't want to go overboard. Like fifty-one fifty. There's some stuff on there that that I love Eddie's playing. It was just different for me then. I couldn't, I couldn't process <laughs> that my guy was gone. You I know could, what I mean? I, I was a young. Uh, as, a, as an outsider, you know, um, I, that song in particular, like I, from a songwriting aspect, I think it's fantastic. It's just a great, you know, obviously it's so different from where they were, but, you know, it's two different bands. But that song, Dreams in particular, from a songwriting, uh, you know, it, it was great. Great songwriting. Just I love that keyboard. I love that chorus. So, uh, yeah. The Brant, Brant uh, number eight. Number eight, I've got everybody's heard it a million times. It never gets old to me. I, every time it's on the radio or I hear it or I see a video, the video, it stays on. It's Panama from 1984. 
Um, no pressure. Song made me want to move to California. It just like the video, actually, I should say, made me want. Yeah, to I was going to say it was Panama and California. It, yeah, is it, I mean, is it a car? Is it a girl? Is oh, it yeah. weed that he's that he's singing about? Nobody the ever really now. knows. And uh, the Lamborghini, Eddie's Lamborghini, makes an appearance in it, which uh, is the way Sammy got into the band when the uh, the Lamborghini mechanic recommended uh, Sammy to Eddie. Yeah, right. So. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know it's probably one of the more overplayed Van Halen songs, but it's just got a dear place in them in my heart. <clears throat> that song's a total crusher, dude. Yeah, it might yeah. be high on my list, but yeah, it's a total crusher. I, there's, it, also, there's also a uh, cameo in the video if anybody paid attention back then. Um, during the slow part, there's they zoom the front row of the concert that they're playing. There's a guy with a Raven T-shirt. Nice. Kind of like this, uh, dude, doing the metal finger. <laughs> I would catch. I usually catch garbage like that. That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. me too. Yeah, I don't know. Usually him about stuff like that. I I remember seeing Raven and Port Jeff's uh, Port Jeff. So shout out to them. They they opened up for Udo. Oh, <laughs> that one guy have his like uh, goalie mascot. What did that one guy wear? He yeah. wore like different sports athlete. Right? Yeah, the wacko, the drummer. Right, he yeah. came just yeah. as a wacko. I don't even remember. I, I remember like that by the, by the time Udo hit the stage, it was like literally one thirty in the morning and there was like 10 of us there and you were making them wait. Yeah. <laughs> he came out. He was like, it's great to be back in the States again. And we're thinking like, but you're in like Port Jeff. <laughs> Did he have the camouflage on? Wow. He came out with sunglasses. I don't remember what, but it was. Some of it- them don't know like what town they're in when they hit Long Island. Oh. I saw I saw a creator. And in in at the what was that spot the downtown in Farmingdale? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, they overdid it, like because normally you'd be like, "Oh, New York, whatever." They were like, "Farmingdale, are you ready to rock Farmingdale?" <laughs> they were specifically shouting out Farmingdale. Great, it was kind of weird. Listen, at that place at least had a, a capacity of uh, like yeah, the donkey probably had like five five hundred maybe. Uh, this place that I went to was maybe like you know fifty. Like it was just, wow. it was, it was brutal, but you know, I just play balls to the wall. So I can go home. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So number eight, uh, Mitch, give me something. Uh, I say loss of control. Okay. It's, mm. uh, it, it's not commercial. It's, uh, it's just killer riffs. Everything about it is killer. And, uh, it's best to play it super loud. That's probably one of the tracks I always go to. It's just always there, you know? Also control. I, I remember um, I grew up on the same block as AJ from Leeway, and um, we, we would spend our days and nights listening to the radio in a story park. And Loss of Control came on one time on somebody's mixtape. And I don't think AJ was that familiar with Van Halen, but the beginning of Loss of Control, he it's said, not- and I, rem- I remember him saying, he's like, this is like hardcore. This is like you could do a mosh pit right here. You know, that's like just that minor chord, like half steps. And then Alex is just doing like this really heavy beat, you know, and that's the intro because it gets like a lot faster and speedier after that. But that's what I remember about Lost Control. That's a great awesome. tune. Yeah, I love that. Cool, cool story. Um, I like the little bits that you remember because every time you mention a song, like we all attach it to something, you know, like this right. little thing. So uh, Langan, give me your number eight. Uh, my number eight is And the Cradle Will Rock, the lead off track from women and children first um just a great youth and revolt great to be young kind of song you know have you seen 
his grades, the little raw things that he puts in there. And, uh, you know, more down-tempo, not, you know, but uh, just a great rocker. Love it. Yeah, I love that song. I love I that song. That was actually the first use of keyboards, right? Because there's piano in that break. Right? Mm. And he's playing the yeah, world. That's the, true. End of his solo. Yeah, he's like noodling on a piano to give it the soft landing before they start in again. Mm. So anybody who said when yeah, they heard jump, that. yeah, when they said, oh, jump, they've got a keyboard. They had keyboards in Women and Children. They had it on Fair Warning, too, right? Yeah, I mean, right, the Moog synthesizer. Could, uh, Sunday afternoon in the park. Where, yeah. How did they make that? You know? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, he wrote that song, and like he wrote Jump in 81 anyway. Who did? Really? Oh, uh, yeah. Eddie wrote Jump in like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The keyboard part, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the way it is. Like, you know, like for, for anyone that writes songs, like sometimes you have this idea and then like it's like this thing that you love, but, but you never wrote that chorus to it or you never wrote that melody to it. And like three years later, you're like, I think I'm going to use this fucking part. So it was really Dave. It was really Dave that was really adamant against using it, obviously, because, you know, the keyboard thing. And he would just kind of break Eddie's balls and say, listen, you're a guitar god. Nobody really wants to see you play keyboards. You know, Eddie was like, why not? You yeah. know, Dave, this doesn't work for me. And that just created so much tension that look how long it took for Jump to be used. It got to the mm. point where Eddie had to open up his own 5150 studio. And then he was like, okay, well, I'm just going to do everything myself. I don't have to wait for anybody. If you don't like keyboards, tough shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the way to do it for sure. Um, so number seven, Joe, give me your number seven. Van Halen song. Uh, it is a song called uh, Feel Your Love Tonight from Van Halen 1, self-titled debut. I mean, all the legends on that album, and literally you could say that Van Halen 1 from front to back, there's no weak tracks. Uh, but Feel Your Love Tonight is sort of like the, that would make me want to move to California too, you know? It's Ooh. like, I, I just got off work, you know, they're, they're, having, a, they're having a blast, you know? Yep. Um he even tells you how to teach to read time a different way. Like I just got, it's 10 of nine. Like who says that? Right. Um, and then there's an, there's an acapella break in that song. Yeah. You know, which, you know, there was also one and I'm the one, but when everything stops after Eddie's solo and they just do, I can't wait to fear love tonight, like eight times each at each one coming in with a different layer until it's like all full. And then oh, he starts playing. That's crack. Yeah. It's so good. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just one of those feel-good songs. And I mean, you know, Van Halen has a bunch of feel-good songs, but to me, that's the one that stands out for me. Is like, it gave me the image of Southern California. Like I could picture listening to that song in a convertible, writing down, you know, Hollywood Boulevard. That's just the image it conveyed to me when I was, you know- Teasing your hair out, heading over to the cat house. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did, did Outburst ever play out there? No, no, never got to California. Never got to California. But um, I was the only one in my band who liked Van Halen anyway, so nobody would have been entertaining me anyhow on that. <laughs> that was an idea. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to rent a convertible with our <laughs> with our tour bus money. Um, so, Brent, uh, you know, you mentioned you were dishwasher and, and, and listening to you saying you wanted to move to California. I just I can't get the vision of poison. <laughs> Nothing but a good time out of my head, like you know, like yeah, that's that's what I think of. But uh, give me he your stared up at this Van Halen poster on the wall. That... Yeah. For sure. uh, number, get out of here. So. Number seven is uh, "Run with the Devil" for me off of one. Uh, I I still find it amazing to this day that the first introduction to Van Halen is a bass 
is a bass line, uh, not Eddie's guitar. And I just love that opening horn into the boom, boom, boom. And then, uh, I mean, I know it's been made a fun of the death on the Stern show and everything is the isolated Dave tracks. The one thing about those isolated tracks is he's always on key. Even all those yells, he's always on key. Everyone like said he's a shitty singer and just a front man, but man, he, he, he freaking nails that song. And it's so, it just what an introduction to one of the greatest bands ever in the history of the world. Yeah, it's a great song. Uh, we, we covered that for like 10 seconds. Like I did two lines and I was like, I'm good. But it was fun. Like with, my band started playing it. We were out somewhere and I was like, all right, cool. I know the first two lines. And then like, I, I'm like, I can't even that high. Like it was still kind of high for me to sing. I don't know. So shout out to David Lee Roth for making me feel like shit. Uh, <laughs> Mitch, give me something else. Uh, I'd say I'd say probably uh, Women in Love. Uh, just kind of it's pretty much. Like with uh, he was talking about a second ago, just the atmosphere was I thought it was like super California. It also kind of reminded me, like I said before, like I guess my cousin Todd was pretty fanatical about, you know, early Van Halen. So a lot of the stuff, you know, a lot of the gimmicks they were doing, especially Dave, you know, I kind of picked up on from this guy who would, you know, he'd play these bootleg records he had, you know, which were like to me super expensive. If, you know, they were like 25 bucks and I would just look at the cover and it would say, you know, Van Halen live in Reno you know, January 79 and, so, you know, with, with these solos and stuff. So he had this record and just, I guess, they did a version of Women in Love that was just pretty psychotic, you know? Um, and then you find out it's about lesbians. So it's, you know, it's pretty, <laughs> that, was a big, that was a big deal back then. It really wasn't many songs that just kind of you pointed to it and it was like, okay, that's what that's about, you know? So uh, yeah, that's, that's the, the garbage I picked up on at least back then. <clears throat> They were uh, the prototype for woke bands. I'm pretty sure. Definitely. So, <laughs> shout out to them. <laughs> I mean, you know, super, super California, super. I mean, the thing about uh, the thing about Van Halen is if you were young and, you know, let's say you hadn't gotten laid yet, it, it was like, it was sort of like a doorway into that. It was yes. like a door to sex where it was like, uh, you know, I mean like, you know, Panama and all this stuff. It's like, you know, it's, it was just, the super sexual, you know, which I think completely went limp when Sammy joined. It was a completely different thing. And that's great. What Sammy did is great, but it's the complete like it's like asexual for me. Like, he wanted to he he wanted to make love to you, you know. Roth wanted to fuck you. You know what? I don't even think it was a make love thing. I can't it wasn't like sexual. It wasn't it wasn't I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just it's far it's weird to me, but the Dave stuff in particular, those songs, it was like, I can't imagine what the atmosphere was like. I mean, how do you, you know, you, you're going around that scene. Everybody's ripped out on blow. You're hanging out at the strip. You know, you're, you're doing all this crap. So it's really interesting to just go into the studio and then like write about your experiences, you know? Yeah. So to have songs that which seem pretty firsthand, you know, because I think Dave doesn't get his props. I mean, he gets his props, but he wrote those songs. Like Eddie wrote the music, but he was kind of like, here, you know, take a palette and just kind of, what do you feel? So for him to just write what he feels lyrically off of those riffs, I thought was amazing. You know, particularly a lot of those songs on the first two records. For sure. We, uh, we're all going to get into a, a, a hot tub after this and 
put it back to like 1983, see what happens. I think uh, if we're comparing like Van Halen music to porn, like yeah, I think Dave was like Bukaki, like <laughs> evil <laughs> angel. Yeah, he was like he was like Jules Jordan would do you, right? And then, uh, Sammy was kind of like you know you're more like like hardcore like he was know. like vivid like softcore yeah vivid right vivid. He, he, he was vivid cinemax basically oh. done yeah. like, <laughs> okay so i get it so butt man versus you know the, the hirsch crew um <clears throat> shout out to jules jordan uh langan i mean your number seven uh my number seven brand mentioned already was panama uh, same reasons he said uh, that riff is just amazing. It was one of my favorite riffs to play over and over for like hours in the mirror as a, <laughs> as a young man. And uh, I love the breakdown and just, you know, talking about Dave and like some of the, the sexual innuendos and the stuff he'd get away with. Like only he could, only he could do it like that. He had this like one foot in like Frank Sinatra, um, D. Martin, Fordville, but also the bridge to like all that 80s hair stuff that we nostalgically love too. Like he had, you know, he set the template, he set the the blueprint for that formula that oh. came, of the front man in the 80s, you know, uh, of like those Vince Neils and whatnot. But that's all Roth, you know. And uh, that little breakdown in Panama is a perfect like uh, representation of his shtick. I thought that breakdown was pretty psychedelic, actually. And Eddie's playing on that breakdown. It's fantastic, too. Shout out to uh, Mike Tramp, who I think is uh, David <laughs> Roth's son. Yeah. <laughs> and brother is, is Eddie Van Halen's son. And Vito, Vito's, yeah. <laughs> what did it say? Spaghetti Van Halen or something? <laughs> v, uh, Vito, Vito Van Pizza? That's what it <laughs> That's what it was. Oh, shout out! Shout out to Bullet Boys for like that. Yeah, Bullet Boys, completely. Yeah, yeah, smooth up, smooth up, smooth up, Pena. Ted Templeman produced all their shit. Oh, conveniently, of course he did. Yeah. Um, give me your number six, Joe. Shout out to Mark with a Q. Mark with a Q. Yeah, he was oh, like, man. he's like, ah, fuck the K. I'm like a singer, so give me a Q. Did you ever hear oh, that guy tell the story about him? He was he goes around telling everybody that he was supposed to have the Randy Rhodes job. Yes, I heard it on a podcast. I, I still can't wrap my head around that being a real yes, story. I don't think anybody believes that. Stop. That guy don't. He didn't even play in the Bullet Boys. He's going to take that gig. Yeah. Get out of here. I believe more Mark Ferrari to have that job. <laughs> He might be QAnon, actually, Mark with a Q. <laughs> He's a Q. Um, Joe, give me your number six. Right, yeah. Number six. Oh, okay. Number six is uh, off of OU812, and it's called When It's Love. It is the second of Eddie's keyboard power ballads, um, the first being Love Walks In off of 5150. Um, but this one had a little more like, uh, you know, like a, like a more like for me a feel of like it's real like Samuel was saying about aliens you know and, and love walks in but when it's love is like you know it's like the age-old question like how do i know i don't know you know when you know it's sort of like um you can't hurry love from like diana ross and the supremes like you just know it you know yeah. it, you'll feel it and when you do it'll last forever like that to me was like you know like talking about the bukkake versus the hardcore porn <laughs> That was like the softcore, like tastefully done. Like if you Google, like you know, romantic sex, this is what would come up in a Van Halen song. Yeah, yeah. Um, Th this was no penetration. Yeah, and actually, I think 
if my memory serves, it got to, oh, it was, but you wouldn't see it. Like it's off camera. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, great song. Absolutely. Very, yeah. very. You're talking like me I as a songwriter. Um, I love stuff like that. But I look at it from like a different perspective. I'm not like, um, you know, like I'm not so married to the first half. <laughs> You know, so yeah. I'm looking at it like objectively. So, um, Brant, give me your number six. Uh, my number six is going back to Mrs. McCall's uh, time, little guitars off the of Diver Down. Um, I love the intro to it right up through the whole thing. The intro reminds me of almost, I don't know, like a flamenco eruption almost. Um, and I just, I don't know, it's. I, I know Cabo Wabo and everything with Sammy, but I think uh, Dave was singing about Mexico first, uh, going back to a little guitar. So I guess Sammy's biting on uh, Dave a little bit, even th even then. Um, just brings me back to fifth grade and good memories and good times and uh, simpler times, I guess. And uh, Let me just yeah. jump in, too, because I, I, I had it exactly at six, too, so you can find me later. Yeah, yeah. Same reasons you said, Brent, like... Uh, just beautiful touch to the way Eddie plays that lick. Just the, it's got to be like finger picking or whatnot. But the tone, it's just a sweet song. Nice song. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, a so fifth grade song. A fifth grade song. Mm. So then that brings us to uh, Mitch. Give me, give me, give me something good. Uh, I'd probably go with Cathedral. I think it's kind of slept on, and I think uh, I think Eddie's just fantastic in that. It's just ballistic. It's just one of those songs that. Uh, I think I think that album it kind of gets bagged on just because of so many covers and it it's short, but there's it's it's uh, there's really good stuff on that. I think it's overlooked. Um, Alex's Alex's playing is also good, maybe not as energetic as it was on the earlier albums, but I think that album gets slept on. You know, I mean, some of the covers are kind of annoying to me, um, but there's great stuff on that stuff like Secrets and uh, you know. Full bug, and so I go with cathedral, probably hang them high, yeah. All right, so we're at the halfway mark here. Uh, you know, we are we are pouring a lot of love into this episode, uh, a lot of nerdism, a lot of geekism. So, thank you again, everyone, for hanging out on a Saturday. So, Joe, give me your number five. Uh, before I do, I just want to go back to what Mitch was saying about Diver Down. Um, I just think that it, it preceded 84 and it was sandwiched in between 84 and fair warning. So it kind of like really had no identity. If you look back retrospectively, right. Yeah. But it did have some bangers on it and it had a uh, big bad bill of sweet William now, which they got a chance to play with their father on that song. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's pretty like sentimental because he got them into music by bringing them to this country from Indonesia or from the Netherlands. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, Indonesia? <laughs> oh, because his mother is Indonesian. I didn't know that. That's yeah. crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's a... wow. Shout out to all the Dutch Indonesians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that population. We got a big yeah. following in that community. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. yeah, they're 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 big on the YouTube. Uh, uh, num number five for me is uh, is Mean Street, uh, the lead off track from Fair Warning. I think Brent had used this earlier. Um, just that harmonic intro, which is like, I don't know if anyone's ever done that before. Like he was just noodling around and, you know, I want to say he, he's never, of all the live performances I've seen Eddie try that again in, he's never actually been able to nail it the same way he did in the studio. 
you know, and I, I don't know, it's just a neurotic thing with me, but I listen for it and he comes close a bunch of times, but I had never heard anything like that. And, you know, that's just a ripping song. Like it, it, the break where, you know, Roth again slows down and talks about, you know, you want to be the hunter or the hunted, going to hunt somebody down. Like there's a groove to it. And, you know, Eddie's riffing on that is just ridiculous. His rhythm playing on that, it really shows off his rhythm playing, right? The bed underneath, like uh, the chorus. And, you know, we just did a harbinger of things to come on that album. Because like I think Grant mentioned before, the first three songs are like, or there was Langan said it, they're just this one groove and then they slow it down with hear about it later. But Mean Street started off that groove. Like it's just, it's just a wicked song. So yeah. that's my number five. Killer. Brand, number five. Number five, Sammy makes it into my top 10 with 5150 off of 5150. Oh, uh, a title it's track. Okay. The mm. most underrated track on that album. I think uh, Sammy, Sammy's singing on it is unbelievable, especially during the chorus. Um, he, just sounds like he knows what he's in for and that he's got to capture some new fans and people are going to hate him for taking over for David Lee Roth. And he just nails the shit out of the song. And it's a love letter to Eddie's uh, studio. And uh, that, I mean, everybody knows this by now, but 5150 is the, uh, the code for escaped mental patients. So <laughs> I always thought that was cool. And um just in my favorite track off of the 50, 5150 album, which is my second favorite uh, uh, Van Halen album, maybe even number one. And I, I just, I don't know. Sammy just brought it on that album. Great I, solo, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially in the live without a net, he, uh, Eddie crutches that solo in particular. Yeah. Uh, 5150, I, I, trivia question. That's what um, the police were called when he rolled up on Fred Durst's house. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, and I, I don't know. It's I just I, I think it's a way underrated album. I think OU812 is a good album. I sort of I mean I like the other Sammy stuff, but those those first two albums I I just think are are, are, are amazing. Obvious, I, I was gonna say yeah. I mean that's that I like that record a lot. And, and in retrospect, you know. Um, it's actually better than from for unlawful carnal knowledge, but I'll get into that later on. So, uh, Mitch, give me something. Uh, I'll probably go with I'm the one from Van Halen one. Uh, probably go with that. I think it's killer. Um, probably one of the more slept on tracks. People usually go with stuff like Ain't Talking About Love or uh, Jamie's Crying, which, yeah, could have been that one either, but. Yeah, I'm the one is definitely super hyper. It's just like total party song. You know what I mean? Great solo, killer, killer everything. You I know? think the whole song is a guitar solo, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The probably, whole song I'm, is a guitar solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm probably actually thinking of Jamie's crying actually right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's basically, a basically, basically, the whole thing is killer, you know? That album itself, I mean it's one of those things where it's like, I would listen to the album from beginning to end. So like some of the songs are always just like half confusing, like diver down there's guitar parts, you know, and there's stuff that's like not guitar, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, some of the, some of the titles just get confusing just the way I listen. Mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. 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 Um, Langan, give me your number five, right? Is that where we are? Uh, yes. My number five is ain't talking about love. And 
you know what can you say about that riff and really hard and dark lyrics for Roth at that time. Not very playful on that one, but uh, I mean, it's an eternal riff. It's it's a legendary riff, and it's one of the most covered songs. It's perfect. Uh, and again, just like you were saying about the Van Halen one, top to bottom. I, I for me uh, in their catalog, Van Halen one and Fair Warning are are flawless to me. Like I could play them through. Those are my heavy hitters with their whole catalog, and. Uh, I mean, you just talk about, I can't even imagine being a, uh, you know, an 18 year old at the time when that VH1 came out and they were just, they were just light years ahead of like, as far as tightness of anybody else I could think of, like at that era, like they were, uh, from another world, you know, and X and great songwriting and, but just incredible virtuosity and execution in them. You know? That's why when they got the tour with like Black Sabbath, a band that was like, painting at that point they nobody wanted yeah van 78 halen yep you know no one wanted to follow van halen at, at their prime you know would say mitch i know i was saying that sabbath were getting blown away yeah yeah, yeah. Think, they were a hard act to follow you know yeah absolutely i mean it really was rare that you put those two acts together i mean sabbath was uh kind of on their way out and mm. you know, van halen just off the first tour you know kind of like they hungry, super hungry. And, you know, Ozzy said it at the time. I mean, it's rare you would have a singer just basically in the middle of a tour admit that the opening band is just killing them every night. You mm -hmm. know, he was like, we're getting killed, <laughs> which was funny to me to read. You know, it's like, wow. He just yeah. kind of, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, every, everyone remembers that. Never Say Die tour. Um, cool. So number four, Joe. I like Never Say Dies. It's a good Sabbath song. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah, good yeah, song. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Bad album. That's a good song. <laughs> uh, my number four is uh, Top of the World. The last I love track, that song. The last so track good. on F-U-C-K. Yeah. Um, it is a it's a pop song. Eddie was writing, you know, he actually used an outro riff on Jump um, to formulate Top of the World riff. It's the same riff if you can hear it one after the other. And there's a nice break where they go from the verse into the chorus where, you know, Eddie and Alex and Michael are all playing this like chord progression and it goes right into like they land on the, I think it's a C chord and it goes to a different part of the song, but it's just a feel good tune to me. And I remember MTV had like two videos for it. Um, and at the time when they came out, I was like, well, give me three or four videos. I love this band, you know? So it's a good, um, it's a good, it's a good representation of happy, happier Sammy 91, 92 times. Um, and Eddie's not really playing like he's not really like doing like fingers of fire stuff. It's just very tasteful melody in his solo, which is kind of unusual for him because usually he's like riffing or something. But um, it was a good it was a good uh, pick me up. That is, I, I was gonna say that is probably the best song on that record, and it's the closer. And uh, his playing on that, like like you said, tasteful. Like you hear it, it's so fucking melodic. Like his playing, Eddie's playing on that song. Like every note is like fucking sugar, like completely. Yeah. And and uh, it's uh, definitely a pop song, but my favorite. It was. <laughs> We're gonna laugh because every time I talk about, you know, like how Hot in the Shade was my first Kiss record, <laughs> and uh, for unlawful carnal carnal knowledge was my first Van Halen record. I was like twelve or thirteen, and uh, I was like, oh, this is great. This guy's using a drill on Pound Cake, but uh, 
That's, I like some cuts on that record. I guess it's, you know, it, I'm, a, I'm a Ross guy, obviously, but like, I thought that was the first album that uh, that Eddie had a little teeth in it because definitely the production changed when they went out of the Roth era, and I thought like it was a little toothless. It, it, but Pound Cake, I, I love the riff on Pound Cake, and there's another song that I didn't realize I like when I was re-listening to all this stuff because I never played those albums in forever since they first came out and heard them, you know, and I was like, eh, it's not for me, but uh, uh run around is that on yeah, that record run, yeah 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 that's a great song too great i mean song. sammy's doing a little bit of david shtick in there when they break it down and stuff but i like yeah I'm, i thought I'm, that 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 f-u-c-k record uh had some balls yeah for sure tone yeah i think that was a templeton record um so number four brent uh number four i've got romeo delight off of mm-hmm. women and children first uh just i think terry king said it was the last truly great van halen rock song uh <laughs> uh so if it's endorsed by terry king i'm uh it's okay with me um it's just <laughs> that frantic pace throughout is just awesome and then when that breakdown right before roth sings take your whiskey home is just yeah. amazing and i yeah. just i love it cool yeah Number four. So, Mitch, give me something else. Uh, I'll probably go out of love again. Uh, it's just something about it. Pretty wacky. This sort of like half chorus and just Eddie's guitar work in that and his little little nuances and stuff is pretty brutal, man. It's probably, I think, one of the most brutal tracks. Um, again, the production. The production on the whole album is great. Um, but I think in particular that song is perfect. Cool. You can't can't really get better than that. Sound. Speaking of like uh, Alex getting a shine earlier, well, if yep. you listen to the drum, the drum bed under Eddie's solo and Out of Love again, yeah, he is keeping some weird time signature. Alex is, yeah, absolutely. And and to this day, if I'm playing it on my steering wheel or something, I still can never get it right. He's just doing whatever stuff. he wants. It does some weird stuff like with the kick sometimes, the rolls, yeah, well, very off time, off beat, you know, yeah, stuff. unusual stuff for sure. Um, Langan, number four. My number four mentioned before, but uh, is unchained off a of fair warning. Uh, I mean, what can I say? That riff is just monstrous, I pure mean, metal, pure metal, just amazing, perfect. And uh, again, I love Rush Stick in it, you know, one break coming up, that whole thing. Uh, it's vintage Roth, it's vintage Eddie, it's uh, fair warning's my favorite Van Halen record of all time, and uh, unchained. That's much, yes. I once did half an eight ball to that song and <laughs> by the time it was over, which is like three and a half minutes. And I thought I was going to have a heart attack. So I, I was at the, uh, I was at the yeah. 20, 2002 dysfunctional family picnic in Jones beach. And 20, it was like 20, when, when was that? 2002. Okay. Okay. And it was like a still in the after, still in the afternoon. And it was kind of, I think it was in like maybe late August. It was getting cold. How is cold going? Crush it. I was bored and corn was great. That was, yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> corn nah, actually headlined. I, rem- yeah, I remember it. But Hoobastank actually <laughs> was like, you know, four in the afternoon. And I was like, man, these guys, like after the one song that everybody knows. The reason, like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is pretty brutal. And then they launched into a song <laughs> and they, 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 in the break of their song, I forget which one it was, the guy from Hoobastank did. You know the the Roth part in Unchained. He's like, "Hey, you guys are gonna get some leg tonight for sure." 
And so I went from like sitting, like leaning on my elbow to like, what's he doing? What is that? Yeah, <laughs> I thought that's what I remember about like you know Hoobastank ripped out on chain in a 2002 at Jones Beach dysfunctional family picnic. That that guy that guy definitely read the crowd and was like, we need to throw in some Van Halen. And yeah. <laughs> we're losing everyone here. We we I sometimes you see a band and they play their one hit in the beginning and at the end. I love that. I love that. That was awesome. Yeah, you got to sit on that hit. Yeah, got to wait. <laughs> Shout out to Hoobastank though. Um. <laughs> Number First Hoobastank reference, I think, on the show since yeah. we started it. Ever? Oh, yeah. yeah. To, I think so. Bring it. Shout out to you, man. Only took 78 episodes. <laughs> number, <laughs> number, 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 <laughs> number three? Uh, we had number three? Okay. Uh, I think Brant mentioned this, but it's my number three. Uh, Little Guitars by Van Halen. And I'm just going to tell you a quick story on why this got so high on my list. Off of like, I think Langa says the weakest Roth album. Yes, of course. But it's got some good ones. And Little Guitars mm-hmm. is my favorite song off of Diver Down. Um, I was in the seventh grade, I think it was. Um, and I just remember like passing time by like, you know, humming your songs. And I was, I was you know, humming Little Guitars and playing it on my desk or whatever. And there was this girl that I realized I might start to like sitting like in the, in the next row. So like I would assimilate her with like Senorita in that song. Um, yeah. So, you know when you realize you like somebody, you're like I don't know what's happening. I think I like this person. Yeah. Uh, and it like did the like the the fusion meld with little guitars for me. Yeah. yeah. You had a moment. Yeah. I did have a moment. <laughs> um, so the rest of that year, you know, I would associate little guitars and the Senorita part and like you know I'm in love with you and hey you know catches catch with me. Right. All with this girl. And shout out to Patricianer, wherever you are from St. Mary's Blessed Virgin yeah. Christians and Woodside Queens. Oh, oh bless you. made a man out of me. Yeah. yeah. You, you were my first Van Halen crush. So yeah. thank you for that. that. That's heavy. That's heavy right there. Uh, Brant, give me your number three. Number three. I think I uh, was uh, down the list on Langans. I've got uh, Hot for Teacher. Uh the video is my second favorite video of all time. So uh, that had a lot to do with it. His first sabotage? It. No, my first is actually uh, I Stay Away by Allison Chains. Oh, okay. Uh, I th- love that video. I don't know. I, I love took that a wild part. guess. Dark video. Sabotage yeah. is up there. But uh, I just love it. I, I don't know. I'm not a musician. I'm just a music lover. I guess I'll ask the drummers in the group. Is this the, uh, except for maybe Overkill, the uh, first incorporation of a blast beat in a song? Um, the opening to Hot for Teacher? Or, uh, am I way off base with that? Uh, well, he had, you know, before I even, I got my kit. I started playing drums like after 84 came out. But the, when I started to like realize like sounds and production and everything, it does kind of sound like that, but he's got overdubs. Like, you know, yeah. when he tried to do it live, he couldn't actually get it like on the record because there's like, he's doing the roles to, to lay down the bass. And then Alex uses some kind of overdubs for some extra toms. So it's yeah. almost like cheating on the record, you know? But it sounds that. amazing though. I mean, that's a great intro. And and just also it, sneak, it, it gets in there just because the, I don't feel tardy line from Rob. <laughs> freaking greatest i just, I just still laugh every single time it freaking says shout out to waldo and uh you know thanks for creating uh facebook They're yeah fun. and i don't know if that video would make it in the world today uh oh. it, it, 
I don't know. Barely probably made it in 84 or 85 whenever it was released. But I still say sit down, Waldo. Anytime I have to tell like my son or something to sit down, like I have to follow with Waldo. <laughs> sit down, you Waldo. Know what's, you what's know right. great? What's great is uh, <laughs> if, if you look on YouTube, they have, uh, I guess it's like extra footage yes. of, of Hot for Teacher. And it's just like Dave driving around in the car. It's like nonsense. It's it's, it's excellent. With it's, Alex, right? I think. Yeah, him and Alex, yeah. it's like 14 minutes. It shows him getting arrested and stuff. And it's just Dave just like being Dave. It's like, like to me, they should have released Hot for Teacher, but like, of, like an accompaniment, like a 15 minute video like the making of it just that included you know just like driving around i mean i don't I'll know go a step further i would have liked to seen like roger corman do like a rock and roll high school thing but based around the half yeah. that's dark, that's really dark. That's really dark. he would have done that he would he would have done yeah. that but yeah. back then that was the beauty of like having vhs right so like you you could get that like you you can get like the one like the one video and then you'd have like yeah. four different versions of it. You'd have yeah. like that, that long fucking like 10 minute version with exactly. all the fucking movie clips. You yeah, can have a version, you know, stuff that you couldn't show in the video. Yeah. You know, those gimmicks. For 99.95. Yeah. Right, that's, that's Why would I have that? <laughs> anybody wants. Uh, so 98.95. Is that out on DVD? I don't that know. Thing? Did they ever re-release that? I don't think so. The no. Blu-ray treatment? Yeah. No. Just VHS. What about hearing aid with that? Uh, they had that 59 minute version. <laughs> oh, I, was I had it, bro. I had it. I played it all the time. Yo, hearing aid, like a, I went to Sam Goody the day it came out. I think about it now. I'm like, yo, did I really stand online? And like, yo, I'm not kidding. I bought hearing aid the day it came out, excited about it. And I bought the VHS video, which a quick story. I bought the videotape. I was collecting VHS, which they were expensive to me. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I had no, two kids that I knew. I was, they were older dudes, like metal dudes. <laughs> they, they came in my house one day when I went to the store, and they robbed all of my VHS. <laughs> oh, damn. Uh. Okay. And and hearing aid was like that. It was like the brand, like it was brand new. I watched it for like I watched it twice. Wow. So, Oof. Did that's you? My, that's my hearing aid story. Pretty pathetic, I know. Well, listen. Sam had a great post about. The hearing aid we clowned on jeff tate's yeah. hair and uh what was how, many, how many that? how many singers and people there were were there from a court order that, yeah. that was their <laughs> charity work like how many of their their charity more treatment yeah yeah they were like you need to do some sort of benefit and like Ronnie well, dude, just do that song for the african kids and we'll we'll probably tell the judge it'll be fine oh dude, dude vince neil was miserable that day yeah. oh my god <laughs> I like how everyone did like a syllable, <laughs> like there was this, like that was the editing. It's like, all right, there's like 400 of there. There's like 400 of the most attention starved people sitting in a room trying to get any part of the song. <laughs> and even but, had the spinal tap guys. Yeah. 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 In character. Yeah. yeah. I think what about we got to do a deep dive on urinate. Now I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah. Might have to come back for that. I'm there. Yo, dude, yo, dude one last, one last thing about urinate. What was, uh, Vivian Campbell, Vivian Campbell made a great comment. You know, at the end of all that, he's like, uh, he was asked about it a couple of years later. He's like, yeah, I wonder where all that money went because I don't think it went where it was supposed to go. <laughs> I, I believe it. I him like, and Dio had like, some beef. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that. I believe yeah. it. Uh, so number two, three. Uh, well, I didn't do three yet. Oh, go ahead. Where are we at? I don't know. I'm lost, but 
Number Why three. Yet? I don't think Mitch did three yet. Mitch didn't do three. Mitch, give me yeah. a song. I'd probably go with Unchained. I mean, it's been all over everybody's list, but uh, Unchained is just, I mean, you know, everybody said it before, but I think it's, besides that, it's the epitome of metal. But yeah. at the time, like early 80s, like 81, but I think it's also like proto-speed metal, that riff. Uh, mm-hmm. There's something very speed metal about it. And I think with certain riffs, you know, it's just sort of how you do the picking. But it's like once you do that kind of picking, you're in speed metal territory, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. The, the down picking. Yeah. The down yeah. Picking and I think it, a few of their songs had that kind of, uh, had that kind of thing, you know? Um, yeah. yeah it, it's just a classic. It's just that's, all around. Perfect. To quote Mitch, that's a devastating song. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. You know how many times we played muting, that? <laughs> muting, just the muting is sludgy. And it's down tunes. So it's, it's definitely the heaviest song if you, you know, put it on 11 or 12 and just blast it. It's gonna blow all your shit out, you know. Yeah, we uh, how many times we quote that? What Q-tip? This Q-tip. is devastating. That's <laughs> <laughs> from the old episode. But uh, all right. So number three, Langan. Uh, a little bit of a deep cut from a 1984 album, "Drop Dead Legs." Um, great one. Obviously, not one of the bigger hits, but I just meant that that riff is is so tasty, and the way Eddie plays it so loosely and and feel on it and and in particular how it opens up at the end and just lets him go off in this way like a jazz musician might be able to just or uh a band i'm, I'm a and i'm a sugar uh frederick thornton hall plays like really just not particularly in key but just going off that's how that's how um how eddie approaches the end of it but it's just it's a fun song but what a beautiful riff Awesome. Drop Dead Legs. Here I want to say it was uh, Drop Dead Legs was used in Family Guy for a for a really? you know, yeah I think you know how McFarlane does all those like you know non sequiturs mm-hmm. and they're talking about the '80s and uh, somehow Drop Dead Legs made it in there. If you want to YouTube that, really so, uh, your appreciation. I thought I was the only one that liked that song. That's nah. good. To hear. Oh no, no, <laughs> almost you, made mine. You and McFarland. Uh, <laughs> all right, so here we are, last two songs. Joe, give me number two. Uh, number two is right now. Uh, off I, of the F-U-C-K album. So good. I am a piano player before I was a drummer. And a great one. You're, uh, you're hit the clips yes. of Joe posts. Ridiculous. Yo, let me, let me tell you something about Joe real quick. This motherfucker, <laughs> we were talking about the breakdown and the solo to one by Metallica. This dude sent me like 10, 15 second clips of him <laughs> playing the solo on a piano of the song one. And I was just like, this outrageous. Go ahead. Well, yeah. So thank you. But uh, I'm a failed piano player, I should say, because that's how I wound up being a drummer in the end. But when right now came out and, you know, of course they had keyboards since women and children first and pianos and stuff, but this wasn't a ballad. This was a key. It was a piano, not keyboard, no synthesizer, straight up piano. And it's a rock song. You know, it's like, you know, Alex is Alex is like keeping some really heavy time along with the syncopation, you know, of the song. And then Sammy is just writing some car, singing some Carpe Diem lyrics about, you know, catch your magic moment. I know it got used in a Crystal Pepsi ad um, and they got clowned for it, which was, you know, Crystal, Crystal yeah, Pepsi. That bad. shit was nasty. You throw, yeah, that's a throwback right there. Wow. Yeah. And I think SNL did a playoff on Crystal Gravy using the same yeah. Van Halen song. Yeah. 
Well, that video was monster too. That a lot of people parried that video too, like with the yeah. just the, the the band. I think the band was in it for like one shot, maybe, and that yeah. was just like statements coming out. It was words, yeah. It was mm-hmm. yeah. Then uh, in in the time of the music video, like as a beast, a vehicle, they made you read, right? Mm-hmm. You had to read the video, right? Which is unprecedented. Angry. Yeah, you know. Um, it but won then many also, a VMA. Yeah. yeah, and also it's a piano song, yes, but that's one of my favorite Eddie solos um, because it's just so tasteful underneath the, the piano bed that he lays down. Um, and it's just got, it ends with some really sick high bends and everything. And then they all come back into the chorus uh, right now. And yeah, like I said, if, as you said, if you read the video, there's some really good, like, you know, subliminal statements in there. Like how, you know, right now time is getting shorter. Your memory's getting. Yeah. 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 You're right. You're right. You're, I, yep, you know, there's yep. heavy stuff right now. Someone's working too hard for yes. minimum wage, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yes. You know, wow. just I stuff forgot. that made you think, you know, rather than watch the usual mindless video of somebody aping along to their track, it's, it was a kind of thought inspiring, you know? So um, that all combined made it to be my favorite Sammy song. Um, so spoiler alert, I'm ending with a Dave song as number one, but that's my favorite Sammy Hagar Van Halen song uh, okay. right now. Cool. Uh, number two, Brant. Number two off uh, women and children first in a simple rhyme i think uh, i was on langens correct yes. mm-hmm. um, i think it's uh dave's best uh vocal performance i think it's really strong and I, I i really i really dig michael anthony's backing vocals on this track i think it's i don't sure. know i don't, don't want to compare it to the beach boys or uh the beatles but the harmonies between him and dave are i think it's just the best vocal performance on a van halen song ever yeah. It's just as good as either of those bands. Yep. Yeah, and then and then that outro, the that that that, that like dinosaur stomp outro uh, to end the, like, the last twenty seconds or thirty seconds is just uh, just I don't know Eddie just wailing, and uh, I don't know it's my favorite, obviously my favorite track off of Women and Children First, and it's just I don't know just a killer way to end an album. Love it. All right, awesome, uh, Mitch. We got two left, so give me give me uh, the two that come to mind the most. Give me the two, and then we'll do one later. I'd say probably a fair warning. I'd probably go with Main Street. It's been on the list before. Uh, <clears throat> something about it, I think it's got a little bit of everything. It's super funky. It has these parts that they haven't really played on other songs too much, these certain grooves they catch. Um, besides that, just the lyrics are dark. There's a real like street element to it, you know. It's just, you can't really put your finger on it. It's just wild, you know. It's like adventurous in a in like this dark way where I feel like a lot of their other stuff didn't really go. It has like a weird color, even though we said before it's like sort of from a brown album. There's a little tint to that song of you know, I don't know. It's it's strange, but definitely one of my favorites. Cool. Uh, did uh, nonfiction ever open up for Van Halen? <laughs> I mean, I have to say we didn't, but we did go to, uh, we were at somebody's party. I don't remember who, probably embarrassed to say, uh, that dude, Scott from Party of Five. I don't, I don't. Oh, Scott, remember. Scott Wolf. I think, no, yeah. Scott, Scott. So, yeah, I know they do. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever his name is. We were just, <laughs> you know, and, and I think Sayback, Sayback brought us over there. You no. Know? Yeah. Sayback. And, and, and he had this, uh, he had like this, um, yeah, like a terrace, like people just hanging out. And it's like in the hills. And, you know, I guess I was smoking and shit. I had like a blunt. I just kind of, it fell out of my, it fell out of my hand or whatever. 
And he was like, be careful. Eddie Van Halen's house is down there, you know? Oh, I was, man. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, yeah, dude, it's that whole, like, enclave of property was like his, you know? And wow. uh, and the best part is when when uh, when that dude came around, like, I I, I was I said one word to him. I wasn't talking to the guy, you know? But when he came in, I think, to the kitchen area, I was like, yo, dude, this is far out, but is Eddie's house down there? He's like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, man, that, that's like his house down there. I'm like, are you, are you serious? He was like, yeah. He's like, actually, last week, like last Sunday morning or something, he, he went out and like you could hear Eddie. You could hear him playing from from the from in there, like the canyon. It's pretty fucked up, you know? Wow. That's, that's, yeah. that's awesome. A day in the <laughs> life of a touring hip hop uh, artist. Wolf, I don't know what Scott Wolf was was even brought up. I don't, doesn't make much sense, but. Some that's the first the- Scott Wolf reference <laughs> yeah. in the show as well. If, if that's the, if Scott that- Wolf and Hoobastank, we are now <laughs> in new ground. Especially if I got his name right, which I don't know if I did. <laughs> but he was on Channel 5. And, uh, you know, once again, you know, uh, just for everyone, uh, you know, it's I'm such a big nonfiction fan. I had to throw him in there. So I'm glad I got that story because it's a very good story. That's uh, the dude from Go. Uh, yes, yes, he was yes, in that yes. movie. Loved that movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He was he was like the guy who got busted, I think. Yeah. Underrated. Just um, one last thing about Main Street that Mitch just brought up. Um, how he was saying it was dark and everything, and it is pretty dark. But in typical Roth fashion, he managed to get a dance baby in there right before Eddie's solo. Yeah. yeah. All this like dark, you know, brown matter and gonna hunt somebody down and real easy to get a gun. And then he he throws in a dance baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's just typical yeah. David, you know. I typical love it. Diamond Dave. Yes. Well, he'll get. He makes sure he's gonna get his rocks off. It doesn't matter where he is, what's happening. Dave gonna Dave, man. Dave That's gonna Dave. Yeah. Dave gonna Dave. And this segues perfectly because my number two is also Main Streets. Uh, first, <laughs> at, me and Brant matched up at number six with Little Guitars, but I match up with Mitch at number two here. Main Street. Uh, fair warnings: the first Van Halen cassette I actually owned. Um, that intro. Like Joe had said, uh, amazing. I think Fair Warning is the most uh, diverse Van Halen record that gives you the whole, it gives you a little bit of the party, gives you their dark, at the darkest. If you want to see the full scope of what they're capable of, I think Fair Warning's like the best. And, and Mean Streets, the groove is disgusting. It's ridiculous. It's, it's so it's gross. It's gross. Dank. It's, it's gross. Exactly. Man. It's, it's, uh, the way Alex lays it down, the way Eddie plays over it, uh, I can't say anything more that everyone else hasn't said. But I'll share a little Dave story. If you just share that about Eddie's house, I the club I used to work at, CPI, that used to book uh, hair bands and this and that. One year we got David Lee Roth on his solo, uh, not not with Vi and stuff like that. They weren't doing that. Maybe it's like uh, a little ain't I don't enough. Brant Brant was working there. Maybe yeah, maybe that a little era. ain't enough. Yeah, a little. Yeah, ain't so enough. I was. When I heard that, I was like, I wasn't even really listening to Rocket much. I was more into hip hop or whatever. But like, when I heard Dave was going to be grace in the building, I got lit up. Like as a young man, I was like, pulled the promoter. I'm like, yo, you have to get me. I got to meet this guy. It's got to happen for my life to be like full circle. This is as close as I'm going to get. So we, he puts this ridiculous rider out with, you know, not the M&Ms went in there, but like all kinds of other, like everything that they had to scour to fill up the dressing room. One of the case of Budweiser on the tour bus. 
like I'm bringing the case of Budweiser in there. So I bumped this other bus boy out of the way. I'm like, I'm taking that thing up there because the 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 uh, manager wasn't helping me out meeting him. So I went on the tour bus. I got my case of Budweiser in my hand. Guys, I put it right over there. I look over. Dave's just finished the set. Okay, he just finished the set. Maybe like five minutes afterwards, rushes right on the bus. He's already in his pajamas, like full on, like tops and bottoms matching, sitting on the couch on the bus with the cartoons on on the TV, like five feet away from his face, eating a bowl of cereal and you rocking think- back and forth. <laughs> and I was like, I just put the beer down and I was like, I don't know. I, I don't think this is going to be what I want it to be. No. And I just put the beer <laughs> down and I stepped away that I got that close, but I was like, hey, this guy's insane, it. man. <laughs> Eating cereal. It Did was you like have Jamie Lane home or something after he got in a fight with Vince Neal that year too. Jamie Lane knocked the top of my cash register off, and I had a bouncer. This guy Tony Cox, rest in peace, big skinhead dude, jack up Jamie Lane on against the wall, and that dude was straight up going to shit his pants. He was going to cry. He was scared that he was going to get like, like murked right there. Sometimes, sometimes he cries. <laughs> Wasn't someone crying in your car that Vince Neil yelled at him or something? It was like, why does Vince have to be such a dick or something like that? Was that you? Um, I drove Vince Neil and my my Plymouth Sundance to a hotel room <laughs> with Randy Costello in the back seat listening to the yes. drum and bass mixtapes. Yes, that was pretty cool. I drove through the Hampton Bays, praying that I would see somebody that would that I knew because I'm like Vince Neil is passed out riding shotgun in my Sundance. <laughs> Dude, that's a whole nobody saw me. That's good, <laughs> but I'll never forget. That's it. You didn't kill anyone, so that's good. I had that going for me. Yeah. Was that really a, on the little in enough tour? Because like then you would have been. I, I don't know the tour exactly. Like it, it, it you know, I wasn't there. You know, Sheenan oh. wasn't there. It was. Um, was it Jason Becker though? Sometime in the mid nineties. Oh, no, not even him, man. It wasn't anybody. The band was, you know, the band was quite competent. They. And, and Dave put on an amazing show. It was great. It was 21 songs, 18 Van Halen songs, three solo albums. Wow. He gave them what they wanted, and yeah. it was smoked. Yeah. But when it was over, he just collapsed like a house of cards and this to his PJs. <laughs> Eating cereal. So, all right, that brings us to our number one. So, But before we wrap this up, uh, just real quick, round robin, we're going to give me your favorite Van Halen record, Joe. Like of any uh, of all, just just go into my head, pick one. Yep. Uh, fair warning. Okay. Brant. 1984. Okay. Mitch. Van Halen one. Okay. Langan. Fair warning. Okay. All right. All right. So that brings us to number one. UFC F-U-C-K. Oh me. Right. <laughs> uh, I I'll go. Oh, that's tough. I'll probably go fifty-one fifty. But I, I, I will say my favorite Van Halen song is um, When It's Love. Uh, but also, but that's like for, for uh, Hagar. Um, and my favorite Roth is uh, Everybody Wants Them. So those are my two favorite songs. But so that brings us to number one. So, Joe. Yes. Uh, number one has been mentioned by everybody already, um, but it makes my number one. Um, just before I say it, uh, we had 15 in all total. So really, the grand total, including the not the uh, honorable mentions, and the top ten, it, Dave got the edge eight to seven. But that's how just close I am, and just like you know, loving, like a parent with two children, like you love Respect. them both equally. 
Respect. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk about the bastard child at all. That was Gary Sharon. Um, one good song. I give it to him. <laughs> Oh, God. That was the first going back for this show was the first time I listened to that record. I'm sorry, and bro. <laughs> yeah, and I gotta say that song Josephina is the worst song I've ever heard in my entire life. It can't be. You didn't you didn't keep it on play to listen to your uh how many say I. That is the worst song. I don't know, man. Give it a try. Stiff competition. Know, after this is over, try it again and then get back to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done, man. That's it. I'm never fretting play again. Anyway, let's cleanse the palate of Chiron talk. Number one yes. is hot for teacher. Um, for everything, all the reasons that everybody mentioned before, I'm just going to point out that, yes, it is the greatest video that Van, Van Halen has ever done. Um, and I favored Miss Phys Ed over Miss Chemistry. I was, a, you know, even though Miss Chemistry had a bikini on and Miss Phys Ed did not, yeah. I, still like, I still thought she was prettier than Miss Chemistry. Um. <laughs> And then there's, if you notice in the video, this is some more garbage if you want. When they're leaving after he says class dismissed and the little Van Halen kids are leaving the, the, the school entrance and they, you know, they go into Dave's car. The little Eddie goes to give Dave a high five and the little Dave leaves him hanging. Nice. So you just, you look there and he's like, just like trying to give him a high five and he just totally leaves him there. Little, little minutia for the hopper teacher. Video. Yes, yes. Um, we, and then we who, love minutia. Yeah, and who could forget um, Van Halen's first and last choreography dancing um, when they all dressed in the pink tuxedos and they're doing like yeah. the, the, you know, my head, my heart, my balls, you know, moves. <laughs> totally classic. And not to be overlooked was the playing in that song. They're playing their asses off from Alex's beginning to Eddie's like, you know, boogie woogie riff. Um, totally. His solo is just amazing. It's like three different types of playing. And he's like walking on a library table trying to, not to slip on papers in the video. And he's still, if you look at his hands, I think he's pulling it off, you know. I I'm not so, a guitarist, yeah. but yeah. Um, you know, I got my pencil. Give me something to write on. I mean, just so many classic quotables and, you know, class dismissed and everything. And, and you're right. Any hot teacher you had from 1984 on in your life, you attributed that song to this teacher so absolutely that's my number one yeah kind of my head you know be all end all vh song just so classic van halen you know it's just oh it's an amazing song that's it yeah i mean i if i if i would have thought of that over that that probably is my favorite for sure great video just classic monumental uh brant give me your number one number one off of van halen one on fire uh mm. just it's to me the sound of a band saying we're the best shit that you're ever going to hear we're here to take over fuck you sabbath fuck you zeppelin fuck you all you dinosaurs we're young we're hungry and we're in your face and you better pay attention because we're taking over and uh just the way to end the, the, to end that album that first album is just uh oh, it's right from beginning yeah. to end and to end with that song where it's just freaking punching you in the face punching you in the gut it just i don't know it just makes me want to freaking kill someone <laughs> got some mean eddie riffs in it man <laughs> well don't do that because we might need you for another episode yeah. so yes. um mitch man gun to head what is what is the quintessential van halen song uh it's almost a tie for me it's probably uh it'd probably be light up the sky with panama because it's 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 way too hard for me to really pick between the two of them, 
uh, "Light Up the Sky" to me is just it's it's a you know it's a speed metal song. Uh, before speed metal songs, you have a blistering solo, you have amazing drum work from Alex, you have like these really sick background vocals on it, like on the chorus. Like if you really listen to it, it's like super. Uh, it's super tracked out, you know. It just sounds great. Uh, the tempo of it is just like you know, driving like one, driving like 120, and like, you know, super fast, not giving a shit about anything. It's super reckless, you know? So for that, uh, you know, it's definitely proto speed metal and Panama, which is like the ultimate atmosphere. Uh, it, you can't really beat it. I mean, everyone, you know, everybody loves it. Everybody it's on their list. For me, it's probably number one just because of how sonically great it sounds. Sonically, could, yeah, 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 for sure. It got like, especially like as a guitar player, just the 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 precursor, like just right before the chorus, like those little notes. You're like, this is love that, yeah. Um, for light up the sky, uh, do you guys are you guys familiar with that? Like maybe in the 2000s, it came out like the the hair metal tribute with like Piercy from Rat and like. I heard about it. Yeah, and like Doc and uh, George Lynch was on it, and they do light up the sky. I didn't see that. That's awesome. I didn't Yngwie, see that. Ingve is the guitarist. Yeah, I saw Ingve did it. Yeah, is that what and, it words from? Yeah, Malmsteen. So. Yeah, Billy Sheen's on it too, right? Yeah, and and I think he, I think Ingve extended the solo bed to like you know, of course, twenty four <laughs> bars, so he yeah. could just wail away. And you know, I guess it's his tribute to you know Eddie. You I could guess. hear his medallions jangling against his chest hair, his open blouse. <laughs> yeah. <That's> <laughs> so for anybody who wants to YouTube that, light up the sky. If you YouTube light up the sky, Van Amstein, it's it's a wow. really good version. No. Yeah. Shirts versus blouses for sure. Would have. <laughs> um. All right. Cool. So Langan, give me your number one. Oh, just to build on Panama too, and shout out Miss Miss Nicole one last time in the show. We we had Country Day. Where uh, every class picked the country in fifth grade, and we we like dodgeball and whatnot. That's way every, better than what I thought. <laughs> all the other classes picked like USA and Russia. She allowed us to. We were Panama. We were the only. There was only four cl fifth grade classes, and Panama was one of them. Yeah. She loved Van Halen. How uh -huh. cool is that? Where is but anyway? Where is she? I heard she was hanging out at Claudio's down in Greenport. She hangs children. out. At, she hangs out at Legends. I see her and Mrs. Peters come in all the time. Get I, out of here! When I was this was 2003 when I was li living on Long Island. I mean that's 18 freaking years ago. I like to remember her as she was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. um, but my number one, I digress. Uh, it was mentioned before, I think, by Mitch. Uh, I'm the one from Van Halen. One. That's what by. That was this. That was the only easy decision I had on this list. I knew it was my favorite song. I think it's the best all-around representation as a track of what this band is capable of. It's got this amazing swing feel. Um, it even breaks down to a, 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 a duop like vocal, practically the you know, a, a four-part acapella that's like duop music. The background vocals are insane, and as a young guitar player. Eddie's fills in not even just the solo per se. The whole song, like I think Joe said, was like a solo. Big was it you? Right. But um, the fills he plays in between the riff, the the, the lyrics, it's it's ridiculous. It's it what uh what a genius this man was, and why I'm still so sad he's gone. It's like when you when I view the history of of guitar and the timeline, there's just certain people that 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 took the instrument on and and 
the whole instrument became something else when they were done with it. You could look at like, uh, you know, besides all the blues guys, the Robert Johnsons, whatever, but like Les Paul, when he came along and what he did with amplification and sound, and then Jimi Hendrix dropped on this guy and, and totally changed the way the, the, these Claptons and Keith Richards that were doing blues stuff and reinvented the instrument. And I think after Hendrix, I think Eddie is the guy that yeah. took it to that next step that, that everybody wanted to play like that or try to play like that. I think I'm the one is a, just the perfect representation of what and capable of. He, he was otherworldly. He was an alien, and we'll never see another person like him ever. Well, I mean, here we are. What a great yeah. way to wrap that up. That was what, what a good. Perfect. Yeah, I, I feel I'm a I feel, professional son. Yeah, I feel like we were at, at his, <laughs> I, I feel like we were at his uh, funeral, and you just gave a eulogy. So thank you. Uh, yeah, if they ever have another one, yeah, I'm available. You have another one, so yeah. But it, it summed it up. Like even for someone like me who is a casual fan, like his his presence, like the fact that he's gone is 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 pretty weird. Like it's it was a weird thing for me. Mm. Um, so I'm glad you guys came and hung out. Um, yeah, thank you know. You guys. So Joe, I know you guys outburst just did something on Walter Schreifel's show. So could we find oh, yeah. that? Vans Channel 66. Actually, um, I'm sure Vans will release it, you know, to the general public, but right now it's a live stream. Okay. So um, it's not if, archived. If it ever, well, I think it is archived, but if, if, if it ever comes out for public consumption, um, yeah, I'll, I'll put it on the band. We'll put it on the band IG or I'm sure Wally will do it too. But, uh, okay. It, cool. was, it was a lot of fun because in this age where nobody's going to live venues to get a chance to play, a short set in, in front of, you know, uh, Vans has a f- wide ranging audience. So that was kind of nice, but yeah, uh, that was super cool. It was yeah. pretty cool to do it in the time of COVID, you know? So, um, and, uh, Brant when, where we, we can go drink over at your place in Chicago and visit you. Where's that? Yeah. So we've got three spots, dry hop brewers, which is about a mile South of Wrigley, uh, corridor brewery and provisions, uh, which is about a mile West of Wrigley. And then we've got, uh, one in river North called crushed by giants. Uh, yeah, they're all full restaurants and, uh, yeah, come on down, have a, have a beer with me. Have My you dog's ever... barking in the back to, to try and get up on the couch. So that's have you I'm ever met Mark Grace? Uh, I have not met Mark Grace, but Jake Arietta goes in the corridor quite a, quite often. Okay, just just throwing uh, it out there. That's our Cubs and uh, Ryan Ryan Sandberg, John Lester, John Lester, couple of couple of guys going. No, not none of the old guys come okay. in. I haven't met. Right, just throwing that out there. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, Brent's uh, still a Yankee guy, though. Aren't he? Yeah, I'm a Yankee fan. So. Oh, good. Have Although you met- I live I live near Camden, so I'm coming. The White Sox are uh, growing on me, but yeah, still mm-hmm. diehard Yankee fan. Shout out to Wayne Tollison. Um, uh, <laughs> Mitch, I know you got a record coming out with Stu again. Are you working with him? So what do you got coming up next? Uh, me and Stu started something recently. We uh, you know, we had final expenses. Now we're doing, I guess, I don't want to say a part two. But okay. like, you know, it's a second installment. Uh, me and Q Unique, uh, we yes. just finished. Uh, that should be out fairly soon. You know, staying busy, just uh, you know, staying busy. You got two songs on the new Vinny Paz that comes out April twenty third. I can't wait for that. I know you and Crime yeah, yeah. No, no doubt, no doubt. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, he's always surprising me. He's always constantly putting out stuff all the time. So I haven't heard the finished mixes, but uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure. pretty sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Cool, man. So, hey, guys, this this was a long episode. So, hopefully, Van Halen fans will uh, get a kick out of it. Yeah, Thank yeah. you guys for doing it, and I'll see you all soon.
Peace. Thanks, everybody.